Today we're going to be in 1 Samuel 3. And as you're turning there, uh, we saw the last time a major contrast between uh, Samuel and Eli's sons. Remember Eli, the priest, a uh, man with notoriety, with a title, uh, and his sons serving also in the priesthood. And uh, obviously we saw there was a lot of wickedness in those boys and God's going to deal with them. And today we see Samuel's relationship with the Lord start to mature and really take on the role as a prophet. So starting with verse 1, it says, Then the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days, and there was no widespread revelation. So continuation of Samuel's growth as a man of God, but the word of the Lord was rare in those days. And we're going to see a lot of these in science and mathematics, we call these inverse relationships. While one is going up, the other one's going down, or while one's going down, the other one's going up. We see a lot of contrasts in this as we go through especially these early chapters. But it's really sad because God's punishment, in a sense, on the people was that he was silent. Now some would say, hey, big deal, party on, man. But really, a punishment... For those of us who were supposed to be people of God would be the silence of God. It's just a, a frightening place to be when, you know, the word of God was rare in those days and, and everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes and it was a pretty rough time back then. Verse 2, and it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see... And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down to sleep, that the Lord called Samuel. And he answered, Here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call you. <laughs> Lie down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he answered, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. Then he arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, go, lie down and it shall be. If he calls you that you must say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in the place. This is a powerful portion of Scripture. It's a very comical, in some sense, portion of Scripture. Very enjoyable. Uh, if you've read the Bible cover to cover and you haven't been in the Old Testament in a while, this is one of those stories. Oh, yeah, I remember that one, right? Now, just a few. Uh, let's see. The tabernacle wasn't the temple yet. It was a, it was a you know, they'd pack up. It was like a portable temple. And when they would move and the Lord would tell them to stop, they stopped and they would set up this whole tent system and they'd have their, you know, t uh, whole, the Holy of Holies and the Holy Place and the Ark of the Covenant. So everything was put where it was supposed to be. But um, the lampstand, the seven-branched lampstand, okay, was one of the three articles of furniture that were in the Holy Place, not the Holy of Holies. It was the... Uh, uh, the incense and the table of showbread and the lampstand. So God wanted those lampstands to always be lit, the fires always to be burning. And that was a, to signify the light of God. God is light. And he was very, very uh, 
pointed to them that those, those lights, those lamps could not go out. So it is possible that they had a place where they would kind of sleep, a place where they would stay so they could keep those lamps burning. But let's go back to uh, Eli and Samuel. Samuel, some speculate that he was uh, maybe a young teen, could be 12, 13, and it's kind of appropriate because we have some young people here today, and you kind of get an idea of this young boy hearing the voice of God and trying to decipher it or respond to it. But Samuel has the desire and the drive to serve the Lord, but he doesn't know him yet. And I looked up the word know in Hebrew, and it's yodah, and it means to have familiarity or experience or time. So that's what Samuel's lacking. He's young in his life, and he's young in his faith. And although Eli's, on the other hand, he's, he had his sins, he had his disobedient, they're waiting a, a judgment, Eli has the experience but he starts to lack the desire and the drive for the Lord. And all I could think about was when Jesus rebuked the church of Ephesus and says, you guys got a really neat stuff going on in that church. But one thing I have against you, you left your first love. You left me. And that's never a place that we want to be. It's never a place that I want to be. And it's a sad place to be. Um, walking with the Lord, having fellowship, and then for whatever reason, we're distracted, we turn away, and God has to put us on the shelf like he did with Eli. Um, the lamp, okay, the lamp, was, again, was a, a, a symbol of God's light. What's interesting is the light of God had always, was always supposed to be lit and bright, but Eli, the lamp of his eye, you know, his sight, he, he, was, so, he was getting so uh, dimly in his blindness that he, he couldn't see very well. So God's light had to be burning, Eli was going blind, and the people were in spiritual darkness. So some neat metaphors here. You know, in the Calvary Chapel um, Pastors Conference, both, both East and West Coast this year, one of the themes were that the movement of Calvary Chapel is nearing 50 years or 50 years old. And the message was, and it was a very pointed message, don't let it turn into a tradition, a religion, a denomination. Let's keep it a work of the Holy Spirit because you see a lot of this. What man starts, it sounds great in the beginning, and then it kind of loses its luster, and it starts to fade off. So it was a good message. I really enjoyed it. Um, I hope that we never again get to the, or we never get to the place where we lament what it used to be like serving the Lord. Looking back, hey, remember when we used to serve the Lord? Hopefully that never happens to us, right? So the situation is Samuel hears a voice, assumes it's Eli, uh, because he's not familiar with God's voice yet, right? Uh, he has to put some time in a relationship, immerse himself in the things of God, and, and we have to do the same thing. The more we immerse ourselves in the things of God, the more we can recognize God's voice. Uh, we can usually hear God's voice in the form of the Holy Spirit, sometimes convicting us in a message. If we're involved in something, we shouldn't be. And we hear the word, and it speaks to our situation. If, we don't, if we're not convicted, we're spiritually, you know, it's, that's a bad place to be. You always want to be in the place where you can be convicted. Um, the conviction, teaching, uh, guiding. And one thing we also have to watch out for is, uh, uh, you know, you see God does speak to his people. You see he has a, uh, a regular uh, appearance or a regular uh, message for his people. But there are some today that, every time you talk to them, God told me this, God told me that, God told me this, almost as if to say, if you're trying to speak into their life, and we all know somebody like that, it's, a, it's an everyday occurrence, uh, basically trying to say, 
don't tell me what to do, don't speak into my life because it's already covered. So we, we have to watch out for those things. And again, I would say this, God spoke to a, a young boy. I look at my son, he's, he'll be 11 years old in September, and uh, you know, Samuel was maybe a little bit older than him, right, you guys, right? It's, you know, God, God speaks to us. And it's so cool because we can say, well, what about me? I'm, what can I do? What talents do I have? How can God use me? You know what, all he's looking for is a willing heart. You know, if your heart is open, the Lord can use you. Let him worry about the talents and ability. It's important to understand. And, and there are uh, times where some will come to, and Dave touched on this last Wednesday, you know, oh, I gotta have the pastor pray for me, or an elder, or somebody with a title. No, We're all, is, we all have equal, I'm not saying no, that I'm not gonna do it. Sure, I, I love those prayer requests. Let me just qualify that. But the point is that we're all as equally as important in God's eyes. We all have a function. I happen to be the senior pastor. Okay, only one person can do that. You know, there can only be one president of the United States at a time. But it doesn't mean that everyone else is not important in the cabinet or everyone else, you know, I love my ushers. They, they're awesome, you know, they're, they're taking the garbage out and, and opening the locks and turning the locks, you know, they're great, they're awesome. I mean, everybody works together here. So, um, you know, I look at, I'm sure Samuel may have looked in the mirror and said, you know, what can God do with me? I still have my little clothes that my mom made me is, is the priest's outfit. I'm not fully grown yet. So I just, I like that. Verse 10. Then the Lord came and stood, the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel answered, speak for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In that day, I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows, because his sons made themselves vile, and he did not restrain them. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. It's pretty heavy for a young boy to hear from, from God's voice. Right? As, uh, what kind of sleep do he have? I don't know. But um, he's probably saying to himself, I hope Eli doesn't ask me. I hope Eli doesn't ask me. But he does ask him. Verse 11, he says, and that's, you know, to take the Hebrew and put it into the English, I'm going to do a work that everyone ears who hears it will tingle. In other words, I'm going to blow Israel's mind. You know, they were so used to, to, to Eli. They were so used to his rotten sons. They were so used to getting abused when they come into God's house that they probably figured, eh, this has been going on for so long, this is just what we do. And, he, and the Lord's just going to come in, he's going to take out Phinehas and Hophni like that. Eli's going to be removed, Samuel's going to be in, and he's going to start really moving in the people, and you're going to start to see some things change. So, why did God tell Samuel these things? Well, Samuel now has a responsibility. Eli's out, and his sons, you're in. Right? Those of us in ministry bear a greater responsibility, and, you know, but God was with him. It wasn't like he put anything on uh, little Samuel that he couldn't handle. God was going to walk with him and, and take him by the hand. Two, God was going to establish his future actions and show that they would come to pass, a, tor- a, a form of short-term prophecy. This is what I say I'm going to do. I don't know if it happened within a year or a few months or whatever, but God said it. He did it. Wow. Everybody was blown away by it. The third thing, maybe in addition to little Samuel, was a warning. 
These are the things that happen to those who want to be in service, who want to be in ministry and profane my name. Just keep that in the back of your head, little guy, you know? So the sin in Eli's house would not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. I want to read Numbers 15, 30. It's only one verse. Numbers 15, 30. Right? This is part of the law, part of the Torah. It says, but the person who does anything presumptuously, whether he is native born or a stranger, that one brings reproach on the Lord and he shall be cut off from among his people. So you have some sins that were pretty much heavier than others. They, uh, there was a greater responsibility, especially if you represented God and you did something presumptuously, uh, you, there was going to be an issue. It was going to be, somebody was going to pay for that, right? And I just say this, I don't see anywhere in the scripture that Eli's sons repented. Would the story have changed if they did? I don't know. Uh, there's really no indication that Eli repented. So the act of sacrifice and offering didn't mean anything to God. And repentance is very important. Even Jesus says, and a lot of Christians miss this, we have to forgive. Yes, we do. But Jesus said, if your brother repents, forgive him 70 times 7. We forget that. That is a huge conditional clause to forgiveness. Otherwise, you're building on a bad foundation. person has to repent. It's very important. Uh, and and even, if it, even if they did repent, Eli and both of his sons, again, there's no indication it may have been too late, and there may have been uh, consequences anyway. So verse 13, Eli didn't restrain his sons. He makes that clear. Uh, he made no real attempt to correct their evil ways. And we read last chapter, he kind of gives a half-hearted uh, effort. Hey, guys, he, this is the reports I hear from the people. What are you guys doing? Yeah, sure, Dad, whatever. You know, um, made no real attempt according to the Scripture. But he, you know, let me just say this. There is a different philosophy today about how to raise up our children. And the world is telling us that we should be our friends and we should uh, act like them and dress like them and talk like them. Again, I was a kid, I was a teen, I went wayward, and I just was looking for anybody, an adult, to come into my life to not act like me, to show me boundaries, to stop me and say, don't do that, I won't let you do that, because I would know that they loved me. And the more I had less boundaries, the more I went wild, you know? So uh, I could tell you from firsthand in, uh, information that kids, even though they may say it, they want the parents to be parents. They want a stable force in their life. When they're going through changes and they're becoming adults and they're, you know, they, wanna, they want mom and dad to buy stuff for them, but then again, they want their independence and they, they do this back and forth dance. They want the parents to be stable. And Eli, part of that's discipline. And Eli did not discipline his kids. Um, you know, the philosophy of being your kids' friends is a trap. Uh, and it certainly was a problem with Eli. They, they got older, they got stronger, they were out of control. And he was old and he couldn't do anything about it by that point. Verse 15, not a really, listen, this book, this book was written thousands of years ago. But the lessons are still applicable today for my life, for your life, uh, and everyone you know. Verse 15. So Samuel lay down until morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he answered, here I am. And he said, what is the thing that the Lord has said to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me, all of the things that he said to you. 
Then Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Wow. You know, I could picture Samuel saying, you're sure you want me to tell you everything? And I, I get the picture here that he didn't sugarcoat it. He just, whatever he could remember, he told it like it was. You got to give Samuel credit. He looked up to Eli, right? Maybe at his age, he was, there was an innocence there still. Maybe he was sheltered by some of the stuff the guy's sons were doing. But, you know, Hannah gives up him to the priesthood. And what, however many years it was, Eli kind of raises him in a sense. And then mom and dad would come visit him, give him his new clothes as he got older, his little priestly garments. Uh, but he, sure, he had some type of love for Eli. And sure, he didn't want to hurt him. But he did the right thing. He was honest. And that's a good start. You see? Fear of God over fear of man. We're afraid to tell each other stuff sometimes. And maybe there's a right thing to do, but we withhold it because we, you know, we don't want to see someone get disappointed. We don't want to see someone not like us. Uh, we don't want to see them sit on the other side of the church than us because now there's a rift. But the thing is, we've got to be honest with each other, right? Fear of God. What's more important to God than what's more important to man? Of course, we want to say things in a loving way, uh, but... You know, Samuel started out very well. Verse 18, I love Eli's response. Whatever the Lord does is good. Basically, regardless of its effects on me personally, he owns it. Now, again, it's too little too late, but at least he owns it. You know, what are you going to do? You know, judgment is coming. Um, you just got to accept it. And that needs to happen more in Christianity. I hear often the expression, when something goes great, you know, answered prayer, God is good, right? Uh, well, I lost my retirement in, in the 401k. God is good. I mean, you don't always hear that, right? Wow, the doctor told me I have six months to live. God is good. But see, God is good regardless of what the news is, right? And, and that's important. And we need to hear that more. Uh, it's almost as if we're, we're saying God is good. We're almost manipulating God. God is good when he answers my prayers the way I want them to be answered, right? Uh, you know, I, I read in the scripture, it says, it rains on the just and the unjust. And that's a true test of a believer's life, uh, to praise him in the good time as well as the bad. If you remember the book of Job, we don't remember his wife's name. They don't tell us. All I remember from the book of Job was when he was going through all this heartache, she said, why don't you just curse God and die? <laughs> that's great advice, honey. <laughs> I think I'm going to try that. And he says to her, you know, you speak as one of the foolish women. Shouldn't we, should we have accepted the good for this long? Shouldn't we also accept the bad is the Lord's choice. And that's, that's a hard thing to do when our prayers are, being, are opposite, they're being answered the opposite of what we asked for. Can we still say God is good? Can we still say I trust the Lord? Good times as well as bad. It's important. What's also sad is that Eli finally accepts the reality of his punishment. Right? And it's a good lesson to us as far as changing our ways. You know, this sometimes seems like there's a point of no return if we've completely profaned God's name over and over and over again, if we're representing him, uh, you know, hopefully we don't get to the point where Eli is, right? Verse 19, last few verses. So Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground or fail. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. <clears throat> so verse 19, none of God's words fell to the ground or failed. None of his prophecies, 
none of his promises, none of that stuff. And whatever he told Samuel to say, those words didn't fail because it was backed by the Almighty God. Uh, I see some doctrine today that, uh, you know, you got to be careful of some of this prophecy stuff and end time stuff because, you know, what God says is going to come to pass. And, you know, I believe that as conservative Christians, we should definitely adhere to what God is going to do in the lives of Israel. You know, he's not forgotten Israel. There's this like, loosely termed replacement theology where the church has replaced Israel. God is done with Israel. But there's so many prophecies in the Old Testament and in the New that haven't been fulfilled about Israel. We don't discount her, Right. If we really believe what the Bible says, we believe all of his promises, even the ones that he speaks about Israel. So that's important. Verse 21, the Lord appeared again and the Lord revealed himself to Samuel. Now, what's happening here? This is like a crash course in a relationship. It's kind of neat though. You know, Samuel is walking with the Lord. He's getting bigger. He's getting stronger. He's becoming more mature and his walk with the Lord is increasing. That's a great picture. I love the picture in Genesis of uh, the Lord walking in the garden with Adam, you know, saying with Adam and Eve. He, was, he had that direct familiarity with them. And then you see after the sin that there's this rift between God the Father and his son Adam. Adam, why are you hiding from me? I've, o- I've only been good to you. So you see Samuel start to grow in the Lord. I really love this. Uh, it's, a gr- it's one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament. Uh, his, his relationship is growing, it's being strengthened. And I will tell you this, I can tell you that the Bible says it's open to everyone here in this room, every one of you. I don't care what your situation is. I don't care what you think of yourself. When you look in the mirror, this is open to you. We just have to have a willing heart. One uh, scripture, in Jeremiah 29, starting with verse 11. God says, for I, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Now you may say, well, there was a contextual issue there. He was speaking to someone. Of course there is. But God looks at all his, you know, God doesn't play favorites with his children. It says he's not a respecter of persons. These individual promises are also available to us. If we seek the Lord with a whole heart, we will be found by him. We will be, and that's a promise. And I tell that to those who uh, I'm trying to witness to, and I say, seek him with a whole heart. I, I'm, I'm not even worried about what's going to happen. You don't even need me. I know that if you seek him with a whole heart, you're going to be found by him. And they kind of look at me like, that's pretty powerful. It's a powerful scripture to use, right? But it, it works. I mean, it, it's happened. So I think what it comes down to is maybe a little bit in a sad way was that God, out of all of Israel, he had to find a little boy. You know, out of all the adults and all the, the men in leadership and all the men with titles, You know, his voice was rare in those days. Nobody was really listening, so he wasn't really talking. And he had to find a little boy whose heart was was right towards him to open up the doors and to open up really a different season in the life of the Israelites. It's a great book. So I just would want to encourage you today, and I am not kidding, and I know I'm being a little redundant, but I don't care who you are. I don't care what your problem is, what your disability is, what you think of yourself. 
The Lord is here. He's in this place. If you seek him with a whole heart, number one, you'll find him. And number two, if you want to be used by him, he'll use you. Let's pray.